Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Good morning, gardeners. Another hot day. That is just a tape recording that it seems we're going to be playing for at least another couple of weeks. Coming into July with almost zero rain, and already we are at an incredible number of 100-degree consecutive days, 38 days so far this year, where the temperature was greater than 100 degrees. I guess to be tough on the garden, you also got to think about it, it's kind of tough on the gardener. You need to get out early if you can. The weather will generally be cooler then. Um, either get out there at sunrise. Very pretty, by the way. Been beautiful sunrises. Or go out there in the evening. Consider getting yourself one of those uh, headlamps so that you can see what you're doing. Either way... You have to protect yourself from the heat because it is just awesome heat. Your plants, those places who are on stage restrictions where they are not allowed to water, I am so sorry. I know it's heartbreaking, but uh, that's the price we pay for water. We try to build more and more development so more and more people can live here. But the one thing that doesn't change, we can increase the number of streets, the number of houses, the number of schools, but we can't increase the amount of water. So we really need to be cautious with how we use it. No leaks, folks. A leaking hose is the ultimate insult it only costs a couple of bucks to buy those little rubber washers to put in your hose so it won't leak at the faucet anymore and another thing about that when you use a garden hose a lot of times people will turn it on at the faucet next to the house and then they will turn around and walk out to the end of the hose where they have some trigger device. You know, one of those squeeze sprayers or whatever. That's not a bad thing. What the bad thing is, is that you leave the hose on and assume that the trigger device, your handheld, you know, squeeze the trigger and water comes out, is going to work. So let's fill that garden hose up with water and then expose it in the Texas sun in this heat to those kind of temperatures and you risk it bursting. And if it were to do so, you left the water on at the spigot. You may never know that you burst the hose and it's been running water nonstop until you finally recognize it. So one of the silliest 
simplest things you can do to help ensure you don't waste any water, turn the water off at the spigot. Don't turn it off at the end of the hose and assume that everything will be fine. No, it may not be. You can burst a hose. You can accidentally run over it with something or mow over it. And the minute you cut it, boom, water is flowing until you turn it off. And water is way too expensive right now to be doing that with. It's way too precious. We shouldn't be wasting a single uh, a single drop of it. It's just not right. Now, someone texted me, and this is a good thing to remember. Now, I, I'm mentioning this more as a safety issue than an issue for your plants. The water that comes out of your garden hose can be scalding, hotter than you would get out of your water heater. Don't forget that. So when you're doing your gardening or you're using your garden hose, remember, turn it on at the spigot, use your hand controller to make it work or not work. But when you're done, turn the water off at the spigot and squeeze to let out whatever's in the hose. By releasing that pressure, by releasing that water, you uh, reduce the risk of it bursting, and also you don't let it sit in your garden hose to get hot. It can be scalding, dangerous for you. You can be burned by the water that comes out of it. What about your plants? Well... Once that super hot water hits the soil, it starts cooling off quickly. Now, cooling off may be, gee, it goes from 150 to 100 degrees. To you and I, that's still really hot. The plants are more capable of handling it. But it is really important to understand that. You pick up that garden hose and you squirt a person, a pet, you are just uh, scalding them. So keep an eye out. Run some water out first. Run some water out first so that you have cooler water coming out the end of the hose. Now, uh, I got a text here about uh, an example about the St. Augustine grass where it's growing weeds. And St. Augustine requires a great deal of water to grow really dense, set good roots, be taken care of. And right now it's probably not getting it. As a result, it's weak. It doesn't have as much top growth And it's a sucker for weeds because weeds can grow on much less water. And if your St. Augustine isn't thick and healthy, well, it's going to be really easy for those weeds to grow in there. So 
if you can get it the right amount of water, which is about uh, an inch and a half per week, an inch and a half of water per week to keep your uh, St. Augustine looking good. We're going to see a lot of people start going, you know what? This is not worth the trouble to try to maintain this grass. So they are going to be removing St. Augustine, reducing the amount of turf they have, and start replacing it with native plants. That is something that's really and a personal choice for everyone in their yard. I have a little over an acre of property, and I really only have maybe 2,000 square feet of what would be considered grass. And right now, it's not. It's uh, brown and dead and crispy because I won't indulge it with water. But I only keep a very small area a very small area for the turf, and that's mostly for my grandkids to play in. And you know what? They're not playing in it in this weather, so I don't really have to worry about it. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. Uh, I need to take a break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Welcome back, folks. Um, a lot of you... I've mentioned this before many times, definitely tired of me saying it. A lot of you are going to really have to take a long look at what you can replace your turf with. And it's not more turf. All right. You can build up your soil. You can make the conditions right so that even in this kind of a drought, your turf will still struggle but survive. But some of you don't want to make that effort, and I don't blame you. Sometimes, depending on how much turf you have, it can be a lot of work to take care of. It doesn't feed you, doesn't feed the wildlife. It's just green carpet. Now, replacing... St. Augustine with other ground covers or taking it out and making new flower beds, more flower beds where you can put in native plants that are very, very well adapted to this kind of weather. They can be really tough and they can be beautiful here. Native plants less susceptible to disease less susceptible to pests. Um, they can have gorgeous blooms. You can get something that works in almost any height range that you want for your landscape. Now, 
where do you find all of this stuff? Well, you can um, try the Travis County Master Gardener's Guide that focuses on local native plants that grow here with good descriptions. You can try uh, the uh, native plants for Texas in the Southwest by the Wasowskis. Great, great book. Lots of examples of plants that will grow here. And then the easiest, quickest one is the Grow Green Guide. Grow, G-R-O-W-G-R-E-E-N dot org. It's got great examples of what will work here in Central Texas, what gives you the best performance, when things bloom, what size they get, whether they're annual, deciduous, evergreen, great guide for information. They also have some turf substitutes, and it's possible to put in plants in such a way where you can have, you know, blooming all year long. Lots of color. So I can see if you're going to give up on your St. Augustine, you don't have to assume that it's just going to all have to be mulched over. Nope, you can bring in some great landscapes. Let's go to the phone. This is Sarah. Sarah, what can I help you with? Howdy, Jeff. Hey, so yesterday I think you were talking about, um, you know, not fertilizing plants at this time of year because we're all hunkering down, right? Uh, right. But, you know, like I don't want to eat a giant steak dinner, but I do crave, you know, some juices with electrolytes or whatever. Uh and the equivalent of that for, like, I brought in all of my potted plants, even the ones that should normally live outside, I brought them inside. So I'm like, okay, babies, <laughs> what do you need, right? I have I have a fair amount of rainwater, um, and I typically have been watering them with the rainwater with a little bit of seaweed, but not a lot else. And they seem okay, Um they're not happy about being inside. They'd rather be outside. Uh, what all should we avoid or put in with our watering uh, when we have to water? Like, well, manually, where we of, normally wouldn't. The addition of seaweed doesn't have to be every time you water, but it is okay. very, very good at building up the plant's ability to maintain water within the plant itself. Um, it's Gatorade. That's the, the rough approximation yeah. of what it's doing. But as for any other foods, because they're inside, you know, they're probably not getting as much light, are they? I do have UV lights on some of them, but, you know, no, they're not. And, and, and I think they actually appreciate that. Uh, it was a matter of not just moving them out of the sun, but the heat. I mean, the pots and the soil temperature were just so high that I felt like it was necessary to move them inside. Well, 
And if you have the space for it, and you can still provide them the rough light, the the UV lights, um, they will manage, and they should manage long enough until we actually get some rain and we actually have cooled down temperatures. So you can continue doing what you're doing, and it'll be just fine. Um, if you if you wanted to do one thing, since you've got them inside and they're in containers, that's really important. Consider top dressing them with worm casting. It's yeah. uh, it's relatively inexpensive, and you only need a really thin layer of it. But it re it adds minerals back. It's a very very light fertilizer. It doesn't smell. And that can make a huge difference in potted plants. They're, they're getting things as if they were planted in the ground. So uh, look at doing that if you're going to do anything. Um, it's easy, and they will appreciate you for it. And every time you water them, it's going to leach those nutrients into the container, which is what they need. Yeah, because the uh, it, it, they you know the soil it, it doesn't look great, right? It doesn't look as as um, tasty <laughs> as it would when they're outside and I'm able to add things. Um, but worm casting is awesome. Thank you. Um, I do also want to say I did take some top cuttings from my tomatoes and uh, tried. Um, propagating them <laughs> accidentally brought in some tomato hornworm eggs that turned into tomato home hornworms and then all of a sudden oh yeah the tomatoes are all gone uh <laughs> but, you know it's worth it it was worth it <laughs> i think i'm gonna get a few for the fall that sounds good to me um were you uh were they setting roots for you when you were cloning them? Yes, yes, yes. they already Excellent. have roots. Some I did actually in little pots with potting soil. Um, I'm not like the most successful with that sort of thing. Uh, and some <laughs> I did in water. And the water, uh, the ones that are in water have tons of roots. I probably will pop them up this weekend. Uh, <laughs> as long as I can keep the the, <laughs> the caterpillars off of them. Um, the ones in the soil did okay for a while, and then maybe not so great. But honestly, I think it was because the soil I had that I was using to pot was a little dense, you know, yeah. and didn't have like that fluffy fluffiness that I think they need when they're little babies. Well, and tomatoes are particular, but... Yes you got them to set so you have you know you're ready for fall now yep and then one last thing about lawns and water and whatever we got rid of our lawn years ago i don't regret it at all um it's a wild space kind of i mean we garden and stuff but i'm sitting out here on my deck this morning and i'm I've got hummingbirds and woodpeckers and all kinds of finches 
And, of course, yep. the Cardinals and the Blue Jays and the Wrens. And then I hear in the distance the Herons and things like that. And it's like, that's way better than listening to a lawnmower or having to mow the lawn myself or watering the lawn. Uh, Sarah, I've got a break for the news here. Thank you for the call. Folks, this Thank is Gardening you, Naturally. Um, we'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512 836 0590. Welcome back, everybody. Um, must have uh, hit a nerve for some folks because I'm getting text pictures of uh, burst water hoses so uh they're out there having to repair them fortunately there are repair kits although you really want a good one because they can they can leak even though they supposedly repaired the hose so so folks are showing me that the hoses gave way from the water pressure and the heat and now they leak they got big holes in them and uh, time to get out the repairs and start fixing them. Other things about the water, um, I've got eight bird baths. And they're not bubblers, they're not fountains, they're just bird baths. And the water has evaporated out to the point where my wife goes out and refills them twice a day. First thing in the morning, rinse them out, clean them, get rid of the water. Is there a refill them? And this evening, she'll wind up having to do the same thing because, well, for one, the birds are sloppy. Uh, it's fun to watch a splash party when a whole bunch of the birds are going crazy, uh, splashing water everywhere but the water comes out of the bird bath and before long it's pretty low. And then with this heat, it will evaporate to where the bird bath is dry. So those are things that uh, you wanna keep half an eye on. Our wildlife needs the water also. And my Turk's cap is just beat up by uh, hummingbirds all the time. I've got two large Turks caps. One is right in front of the kitchen window. And it's wonderful to watch the hummers come and just hit every flower, the hundreds of flowers that are on it. <clears throat> I've got one that's further away. You can see the hummingbird hitting the flowers, but not as clearly. And it is in our watering rotation. By that, I mean we're allowed to water one day a week, and the Turk's cap was one of my choices for ones to try to keep happy and healthy in this heat because it provides the food for the hummers. Now, that is one of the few. Now, the line that I, uh, the soaker hose that I use to water the Turk's cap also waters uh, my lantana. 
So I have lots of bloom going on, even in this heat. And even when I'm only watering once a week. These are native plants that do incredibly well here. They're very pretty and the wildlife loves them. The lantana appears to be a home for bunny rabbits because there's a nest under my lantana bushes and the cute little buggers that come hopping out. That's how you tell a bunny rabbit's young. It can't hop in a straight line. It even has trouble running in a straight line. But uh, those are plants that don't require a ton of care. They are for this environment. Um, I've told people for years, I do not water my crepe myrtles. And they still bloom. They're big and tall and healthy and they only get what falls from the sky. I do not provide them with any and never have provided them with supplemental water. The same goes for my mountain laurels. Yeah, I, I never water those things. They are natively found in canyon lands. So as such, they're in some of the driest, nastiest environment that you can imagine. And guess what? They're ready to handle it. They manage it just fine. And I say the same thing about my Texas sages. Never water those. And they return beautiful purple flowers to me. They lie sometimes. You know, if they turn purple, uh, they turn purple. That's supposed to mean rain's coming. Yeah. They've been lying lately. They've been beautiful purple, and I ain't got a drop of rain. Uh, someone texted, uh, their irises are doing great and are beautiful, and they've never watered them. So there are lots of plants, lots of plants that will do well in this environment. And they're not turf. And that's about the best you can get when you can get this kind of beauty and it's not turf grass that requires water all the time. Now, speaking of watering, uh, folks are trying to take care of container plants. Two things you need to look for. When you go to water, does the water soak in through all of the soil or does it tend to run off and go around the edge of the root ball along the edges of the container? That soil needs some help, okay? Should you pull the plant and repot it in new soil? If it's possible, that would be great for the plant. Otherwise, you should look at things like providing um, worm castings are a good choice. They're not going to burn, and they really provide a lot of things that will help that soil loosen up in the container. Now, the other trick is 
you can water a container plant and no, you stick your finger and you go, wow, as far down as I can reach with my finger, it's bone dry. <clears throat> That's not necessarily true. The roots could have covered the drain holes and you could have this really dense muck at the bottom of the pot that is preventing drainage and your plants are getting too much water and they're wilting and you're going, well, it's this hot. I need to give it more water. And we get this bad cycle going. Go to your grocery store. Go find the bamboo barbecue skewers. The little wood ones. Take one of those. Push it down in the soil between the edge of the pod and the stem of the plant. Push it down as far as you can and still leave a little nub so you can pull it back out. And leave it in there about 20 minutes. Pull the stick out and look. And they're normally a very pale color. You will be able to see where the water stain is on them. Now, this is a poor man's way of checking if you have uh, clogged roots, if you have a lot of water not draining out of the container. It's an easy trick. It's inexpensive. And it can tell you if you maybe need to uh, replace some soil or repot the plant. That's another one where if I'm continuing to water and come to find out it's really not draining or it's just going around the root ball, you're not getting any of the benefit of the water. So you're basically wasting it. And we don't want to do that. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I need to take a break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. You know, earlier we had a caller talking about her potted plants and it was just too hot for them. She was able to move them inside. And I've gotten some texts from people who have been having the same problems. The plants in the containers, the soil is getting really warm. And someone sent me a possible solution you can try. They went to a big box store and they got um, bubble wrap. Now the bubble wrap is silver on one side. So it will reflect the sunlight and they took the bubble wrap and they wrapped it around the container. And now the plant doesn't get that kind of heat. The container is insulated from direct sunlight. But the plant is still doing fine and growing like it's supposed to. That's one of the many tricks you can try. I know that people have wrapped towels to block the sun from heating up the container. Um, using what's called, please forgive me if I'm saying this wrong, what's called a cash bow, where you have a container that's larger than your plant and pot, and you drop both of them inside a larger container so that you've got like an insulating barrier and the outer container can be um, a different color, isn't that black plastic pot? And that can work well, too. But 
the containers get super hot. If you have plants and they're out in full sun and they're still in the black plastic containers, and that is not shaming, folks. That's, uh, I can't tell you how many black plastic containers I've had uh, in one place before I figured out where I was going to put the plants. But um, those containers get hot enough that they will raise the soil temperature to a point where you're damaging the plant. You're really harming it. So consider some way of covering up the containers you're using so they don't uh, get way too hot. You can paint many of these containers. The black plastic ones, you can, if you happen to have a light colored paint, they'll usually stick to the plastic and you'll be able to cover that up. That'll be at least a temporary solution in this kind of weather. Now, I say temporary because we don't know how long this is going to last. We know that it's going to become much more common. But the other idea is to, if you're buying a plant from the nursery, is to really get ready to put it in the ground when it needs to be put in the ground. Yes, you can keep plants in containers for long periods of time. We grow plants in containers. Your nursery container, when you buy that plant, you don't have to put it in the ground that single day. Think about it. The nursery that's selling you the pot with the plant in it, it's still gonna be there if you don't buy it. It's not like they bring out all these plants and sell it to you and whatever's not sold, they go and plant it somewhere. There's going to be a long time of that particular tree, shrub, rose, uh, perennial, sitting in that container until someone purchases it and puts it in the ground. And that can be a long time. I have, uh, <clears throat> I have plants that I picked up at nurseries and it'd be years, literally years before I got around to going, Hey, you know, maybe I should put this in the ground and they survived. They grew, they flowered, they put on gorgeous blooms. Now I wasn't able to get any in the nursery containers to turn around and produce fruit. I needed a little more space for my uh, oranges to do particularly well, but it's okay to leave them in the pot. Just remember this brutal temperature and this hot sun are absolutely cooking the plants. You can cover them as in cover the container so the black part isn't exposed to the sun. You can put one container in another to try to keep it controlled. Wrap it with a towel, all kinds of ways to not have that unbelievable heat thrown at you. 
When we deal with plants, in the winter, we always talk about having a soil thermometer. The idea being the soil needs to be a certain temperature based on the crop you're putting in the ground. It needs to be pretty cool to be able to get spinach to do well, carrots, but it needs to be warmer for things like tomatoes and peppers and peas and beans. So having a soil thermometer, they're inexpensive, maybe they're 10 bucks, can help a lot. If you have one, go check your container plants. Only takes a minute, only takes a minute to quickly find out how hot is the soil in that container. Do I need to look at doing something? Do I need to move them so that they're in afternoon shade? Do I need to put them somewhere where they don't get full sun simply to keep from cooking them in the container? That can happen. Now, if you're doing containers, you really want to make sure when you water, two things happen. The water soaks all of the soil. Now, just run down around the edges. You want to be able to get it wet, all of the soil. Number two, you want to make sure that when it drains, all of it is draining. You're not creating a, a mud barrier at the bottom of the container that isn't letting all the water out. Simple things to do, simple things to be successful in this weather using container plants. If you have a small enough container plant, there's a simple trick where you can Fill a five-gallon bucket, take the small plant, and drop the whole container into the water. That guarantees all of the soil is going to get wet. Either set it in there for a minute, hold it above, hold the plant above the water, and let it soak up everything. Pick it up, put it where it's going to go, and let it drain out. That's one sure way to make sure that the plant, the entire root zone, is getting water. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. We are um, coming up on top of the hour news. We need to take a break. I will catch you all on the other side. <laughs> 